Greetings from Buffalo Lake Lutheran Church. Well, once again, week number three has taken its toll upon us as the weather continues to be a determining factor in our traveling out there in the country. Roads in the uh, Sissident area are not very good. Some of the roads going to the church, I believe, are also blocked right now. They got a winter weather advisory up until 3 o'clock tomorrow as the winds are supposed to pick up again tonight. So in the meantime, once again, you have to listen to me on the podcast instead of seeing me and listening, worshiping together in person. Next week, hopefully, we can get back to normal and be able to meet back at the church next Sunday. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O Lord my God, how I long to be one whose life is a living testimony to your goodness and grace and whose only desire is to live my life to glorify you. Take my life, Lord, and may your will be done in all that I say and do. Use me as a vessel to your praise and glory in such a way that you increase and we decrease, until it is Christ living in us and through us, to his praise and glory. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from death, we will be saved. For it is by our faith that we are put right with God. It is by our confession that we are saved. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess to you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Therefore we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy and ask you for Christ's sake, grant us forgiveness of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word. To the end that by your grace we may come to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So then submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. The song that I picked out this morning is All Things Bright and Beautiful, because indeed, it may not look beautiful outside, but all things need to be brightened up, and uh, spring is going to be coming here, folks, so let's sing All Things Bright and Beautiful. (laughs) 
All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, God made their glowing colors, God made their tiny wings. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. The purple-headed mountain, the river running by, the sunset and the morning that brightens up the sky. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. The cold wind in the winter and spring, the pleasant summer sun, the ripe fruit in the garden, God made them every one. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. God gave us eyes to see them, and lips that we might tell. How great is God Almighty, who has made all things well. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. Well, one of the psalm readings I have, actually it's just a verse out of Psalm 118.24, and I happen to look up three different uh, variations of that reading. First one I'm going to read is from the New International Version. It says, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Then there's the English Standard Version, which goes like this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But the one I really like is in the New King James Version. It goes like this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Notice the operative word there. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So no matter if you can't see out your window because it's snowing and blowing so hard, we still will rejoice and be glad in the fact that we are still around to see the splendor that is out there, the chaos that's out there as well. Of course, we know that God has created everything, 
and everything that God created, he said, was good. Seven times in Genesis 1, God observes his creation to be good. In Genesis 1-4, after he had spoken light into existence, he declared it to be good. In Genesis 1-10, after separating the water from the land, he called that good. After creating plant life in Genesis 1-12, he saw that it was good also. In Genesis 1.18, after putting in place a system for lighting the earth and for separating the night from day, he calls that good. In Genesis 1.21, after creating animals to populate the water and the air, he observes that to be good. In Genesis 1.25, after populating the land with animals and insects, he called that good too. Finally, after creating humanity as the capstone of his creation, he observed all he had made and declared it to be not just good, but very good. So everything God created was good. So why do we then have Genesis two sixteen and 17, when God says, And the Lord God commanded the woman or excuse me, the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Or did God create something bad here? Not if you read Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4, 4, it says, For every creation of God is good, And nothing that is received with thanksgiving should be rejected. So, why the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, with God, you know that there is a plan for everything. God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden to give Adam and Eve a choice to either obey him or to disobey him. Adam and Eve were free to do anything they wanted, except to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God put everything into motion. He said, you may not eat of this tree. There was a reason for that. He gave these instructions. Now, there's nothing essentially evil about the tree or the fruit of the tree. It's a... probably a good fruit. It probably had vitamin C in it and some beneficial fiber, but it had no spiritual nutrition to it. However, the act of disobedience, the act of doing it, of eating it, when God says, thou shalt not eat it, that sin opened Adam and Eve's eyes to evil. For the first time, they knew what it was to be evil, to feel shame, and want to hide from God. Their sin of disobeying God brought corruption into their lives and into the world. Basically, all of God's creation that was good suddenly turned into chaos. Eating the fruit was an act of disobedience against God. And that gave Adam and Eve the knowledge of evil and the knowledge of their nakedness. 
you got to realize that God did not want Adam and Eve to sin, but at the same time, he had to give them the choice. They didn't want them, he didn't want them to be simply robots to simply do things blindly. They had to make the choice as to what to do. Adam and Eve's decision is what ultimately required Jesus Christ to die on the cross and shed his blood on our behalf. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be free from sin's consequences and ultimately free from sin itself. May we echo the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 24 and 25. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul realized that it was Jesus Christ that saved him, that rescued him from the body of death. Fast forward a little bit more, and Paul, he writes in 1 Corinthians 10.31, this is kind of an important uh, reading here, He says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, it says, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Once again, it comes down to a matter of choice. You see, Paul wrote this back then to the church of Corneth regarding food sacrifice to idols. The question was, should they eat it or shouldn't they? Paul's main point is that the Christian is free to eat anything as long as his conscience is clear. If his conscience is troubled by eating meat that has been offered to idols, then he should abstain. Equally, if his conscience is clear, but his freedom would cause his brother to stumble, then he should also abstain. If he was to eat of the meat and realized that it was still to the glory of God and did not affect anybody else, it was okay. Again, it comes down to our choice, our freedom, but we don't have the license to do anything we want. The freedom we have is the freedom to serve God and honor Christ with our lives without concern about ceremonial law or ritual or the opinions of men. But this also goes both ways both in our freedom to act and our freedom not to act. Our decision to do anything we shouldn't be based on peer pressure or or what our society and popular culture dictates. We are to do everything in the glory of God fully, not just partially, but fully. This means that we need to... Be a living sacrifice 
for God. Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So often we separate our lives into spiritual and non-spiritual. We consider the spiritual things to be quiet times, reading our Bibles, going to church, and so on. These are very important and should never be neglected. However, when we put down all of our other activities, such as our worldly things like our jobs, our hobbies, and so forth, they are usually things that engage the world, and we struggle to see their spiritual benefit. We must not forget that though this world was created by God and called good, there is still sin and corruption in this world. And the ways of the world are not the ways that we are supposed to live it. We are not to fall into the desires of the world, but rather into the desires of God. We need to take things into consideration. We, our fellow man around us. In verses 23 through 30, Paul talks about what to do in the context of the church where there may be those who are weaker believers whose consciences do not completely understand their liberties. So if you're that, and if you're eating a meal of meats that have been sacrificed to an idol but now is sold in the meat markets, that's fine, but... It's no longer in participation of idolatry worship. But if there's somebody there who has a weak conscience, you must abstain from eating for allowing them to also then stumble. Paul shows how important it is for Christians to give up their rights. Just as Paul gave up his right to be supported by his own preaching of the gospel so some of the Corinth Christians might sometimes give up their right to eat meat sacrificed to idols based on the principle of love towards a weaker brother. In the end of chapter 9, Paul shows how a Christian must be willing to give up some things, even good things, for the sake of winning the race that God has set before us. Otherwise, we will become disqualified. Now, I came up with an example, kind of stumbling over, how could that possibly affect us today? Very rarely do you hear about food that is sacrificed to idols. So I'm trying to think of a scenario that might come into play. Let's say... For example, that you eat at a restaurant that is owned by an atheist. You and your family eat there because the food is good and you still will do it to the glory of God with prayer and praise. Now, there'd be no problem with this. Even though it's owned by an atheist, you know in your mind that it's all to the glory of God. The food is good. It's all God made it all. Everything is good and wonderful. That's okay. 
In the second scenario, maybe you and a couple of other church members go out for dinner at this restaurant. Well, again, you're all believing Christians and you eat and dine together in the glory of God and you give them praise and prayer. Again, in that situation, there is no issue here. In the third scenario, you invite a neighbor for dinner. You sit down and the neighbor says, I'm surprised you would eat here since it's owned by an atheist. Uh-oh. Now you've got a problem. The neighbor is now thinking that it's okay to be an atheist because we're supporting an atheist. 1 Corinthians 8.13, Paul explains, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. That's why it's so important to think of not ourselves, but also of our fellow friends and neighbors. Well, now that the proverbial cat is out of the bag... It's probably not best that we go back to that restaurant anymore because you never know who is watching. And that person that says, I'm surprised you would eat here knowing. Well, now you have to look at the, the whole emphasis of what Paul is talking about. Even though it's good, you have to sacrifice and say, I'm sorry, but I cannot eat here anymore. Now, there's one other scenario that comes into play, too. Let's say that you never knew the owner was an atheist, and your friend that didn't know it either. Well, if you ate to the glory of God in that situation, again, it's okay. But again, Paul is talking about don't do something that will allow someone to stumble in their faith, They may not have a faith as strong as yours. They may not have a belief as strong as yours. And that's why you have to be on the lookout. Everything we do, everything we say, has to be done in the glory of God, not only in our context, but also in those around us. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God, and we will too. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. May everything that we do, everything that we say, Be to the glory of God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are in the wind that moves across the waters, that whispers in the night, that will not be contained. You see more than we can ever see, and you do not look away. We know that when you whisper through the wreckage in Turkey, calling life out of death, directing those who work night and day to resurrect life from the ruins, we know that by your will, children, elders, and animals were saved. 
We marvel at your presence amid such tragedy. And we know that you uphold the protesters in Georgia who bravely faced down soldiers and uniformed, armed agents in the worldwide fight against evil. Heal the wounded, breath of life, sustain the weary, open the hearts and minds of those driven by fear to commit atrocities against your children so they might lay their weapons down. Still we know that Ukraine remains one year after the world watched the initial attacks on its people, their way of life, and all the things they need to live fully. Move through those who can relieve the soldiers and citizens who have fought for so long. Call newcomers to step in so that the beleaguered might step back. Continue to unite the nations to stand with those being persecuted in this war and deprive the fires of fascism of oxygen. For we know that you are a God of life, raising the oppressed, binding the wounds of the injured, restoring hope to people in hiding because they because hate has found its way in their door. Protect the innocent. Provide for the widow, the orphan, the sick, and the grief-stricken. Drive a spear into the wheels of those on a mission to harm and fill the hearts of those targeted for violence with courage, resolve, and faith to follow where you lead. Now we know that the schoolgirls hospitalized in Iran have been poisoned because of their peaceful protests for freedom. Heal their young bodies and sustain their resolve to expect and work for the right to live freely, to thrive, to become the people you created them to be. For we know you are with them. And we know you are with us as we watch, often helplessly, from a distance. Yes, we know that you are a God of justice who sets the prisoners free who leads the enslaved to freedom, who weeps with those who suffer, who can and will and does breathe life into dry bones. Help us to be still and know that you are God, even as we pray. Shepherd us, O God, beyond our thoughts, beyond our fears, from death into life. Be with us, Lord. Be with us here, even in the Dakotas, as we continue to fight the winter weather that is in gripping us. Be with those across the nation who are seeing different types of weather, long, long weather trends that are going on right now. California has been in a drought for so long, but now there's plenty of water out there. And we thank you, Lord, for the water. And we pray that you allow the water to go into the rivers to fill the lakes and streams. Be with all those who need help. We also pray for those whom we name in our own individual hearts.
We lift up all these petitions to you, Almighty Lord, who has also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we take our worship, praise, and prayer from this place into our daily lives, may our lives be sustained through the love of our Heavenly Father. May we feel the presence of our Savior walking beside us and know the power of the Spirit in both our actions and our words. May the Father's hand keep you from stumbling. The footprints of Jesus give you confidence to follow. And the fire of the Spirit keep you warm and safe in your walk with God on this very day. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious upon you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace, love, and forgiveness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go, my children, with my blessing never alone. Waking, sleeping, I am with you. You are my own. In my love's baptismal river, I have made you mine forever. Go, my children, with my blessing. You are my own.